1: What's up to all our sidekicks and yench folk out there in the Geek Nation? You're currently tuning in to Cold Pop Podcast episode 792, The Sleepy Edition. We're changing (laughs) things up a tad from what we usually used to do. We were doing a weekly comic book reviews, but now we're going to be doing movies as well as graphic novels on alternating weeks. But then probably during a monthly comics roundup show at the end of every month. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327. Main Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19127. Super rad shop for super rad folks such as you. Joining me tonight is Noel
0: Bartocci. Hi. What's up, brother? Uh, nice. You know, just um typical Monday of sleepiness. How are you? Oh, great.
1: I just got back from visiting friends in Pittsburgh. So it was like a five and a half hour drive this morning to then get to work late and then work all day. Yeah, we've been up since like six and um,
0: and so, we're still here. We're
1: still we're still doing it.
0: So I feel as though this is the perfect opportunity for us to do a marathon ramble session. And in order to in order to uh, fill in the void uh, left by um, Brian tonight, who couldn't join us. Yeah. I'm going to try and derail the conversation as much as humanly possible. Wonderful. With with incredibly uh- interesting factoids. I've got a bunch waiting for me. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I prepped awesome. I, I Brian prepped. Nice. No, I didn't. He That's the thing, though. He doesn't, he doesn't have prep. to prep. He that just has, has it. Yeah. Um, I, I, anyone in the audience that's listening, if you have a friend that will stop a movie or stop reading a book to go look up something as opposed to like after or like just put a pin in it, mm-hmm. you have a Brian.
1: Um. Thank you to everyone joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. If you like what we're doing, please like, comment, subscribe, and share, and also pipe up in the chat. That's the best part of this show is uh, having you guys to talk to. You can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, just like this one email that I'm about to read right meow from Christopher Goodnight. It's called Last Night in Soho. Hmm. Hey guys, super excited you were talking about Last Night in Soho tonight. As Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim is my second favorite movie of all time, I was really looking forward to it. Baby Driver was promising, but didn't quite live up to my expectations, and the Sparks Brothers, while informative, wasn't a movie. I concur about Baby Driver. I was very excited about it, and I didn't really care that much, and I like it even less now due to the main actor and the second main actor, <laughs> I just don't, I'll probably never revisit that movie. Last Night in Soho is an amalgamation of some movies I really enjoy. It's a bit of Scream 3, oh god, a bit of Coyote Ugly, and a bit of Stare of Echoes slash The Sixth Sense. I adore Anya Taylor-Joy, but feel she overshadowed the other actress, Thomasin McKenzie. Mackenzie. Matt Smith was exceptional as a Matt Smith was exceptional. I'm trying to not do spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) Uh, Matt Smith was exceptional, he says. Duran Stamp was great. The only thing that didn't work was the ending. Uh, Skipping, skipping, skipping. Uh, Skipping... My only complaints, uh, Do you want to reread the second on? half of the email later? Yeah, maybe do that. Yeah. He enjoyed the movie. <laughs> thought it was cinematically appealing and great to watch, but not without its flaws for sure. There we go. So that was the email from Christopher St. Saucy. Good night. Thank you, Christopher. Robin Monroe Jr., Jr. Bacon She is down in the comments saying, what's going on, Colts Poppers? Hope you had a great week. Will The Flash join Batgirl in Oblivion? He's talking about the movies. One can only hope, Robert. The fact that they canceled the Batgirl movie and still have not canceled The Flash movie, I am flabbergasted. Um, I have have an
0: opinion hot take. I don't know. Do do we want to address the email first or... Robert What's there
1: to it? Well, we're going to we're going to review.
0: Well, I was we're going to be talking about. I was going to give my two cents about fucking Baby Driver. I actually love Baby Driver. I think it's oh, one of yeah. his stronger movies. Oof. I, I do I uh, like um, why um, he just like he did with uh, Scott Pilgrim. He juxtaposes about three different genres and does it incredibly mm-hmm. well. I, 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 I'm not shied away. Uh, it, it doesn't art and artist right like if it was a uh mm-hmm. what's his name what's the kid's name i have no idea ensign elgort yeah
1: if Did it I was like that is that it written and direct- <laughs> it sounds
0: like i just made up a bunch of sounds and said them if it was like written and directed by ensign elgort and then yeah maybe but um no i i, I genuinely love that movie i I've, I've watched it a good handful of times and it it does hold mm-hmm. up as a surprising little heist flick um, and John Hamm is fucking awesome in it. Just straight fire, awesome.
1: Everybody in that movie is great except for Ensign Elgort. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I may be making that name up. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and um, but like as as the driver <laughs> of the film, um, I, I do not find him charming or even watchable. Um, he is he is if someone drew an emoji you know that emoji emoji that's just like two eyes and mm-hmm. a straight line for a mouth and someone took a piece of wonder bread and then drew with a sharpie that emoji that's that's the emotional heft that that guy brings to uh, anything i've ever watched with him
0: i uh, maybe in all his other films i've only seen him in like two other things and i didn't care but for the purposes of baby driver that was like the assignment to be completely detached from the world other than his music and one person affects him. Like I, I, it was, it was a part of the plot. Yeah.
1: Except I, I, I don't buy their love story. Okay. I do not, I don't buy their, their meat in the diner, uh, and how they just are immediately in love. I don't, I don't get the Romeo and Juliet. We're two young, two young people who are immediately infatuated with each other in love with each other enough to, go on this entire experience um if if it was someone else playing that role it might have done it for me but Mm. that guy uh i don't don't like to say this it's a very punchable face i just as soon as i see that guy i'm like "Mm, don't
0: like him fair enough i I love that movie Um, i say that
1: from one punchable face about
0: another (laughs) um and what was the other um, uh what was the other thing that he mentioned or maybe nothing Uh, that was it i think world's end is um yeah i mean I don't think Edgar Wright has made a bad movie. Oh, Oh, Sparks. Sparks uh, Brothers. It is a movie. Documentaries are movies. They have to craft a narrative. It's a movie. It's a real movie. There may not be special (laughs) effects, but it was a really, really good movie. It really was. I don't know if you'd seen it Um, yet.
1: I haven't. No, I I don't even know what it is. Uh, I know it's a documentary. It's It's kind of a (laughs) movie.
0: Good.
1: Um, Uh, Yeah, Kevin is in the comments saying, I'm a World's End fan. My my one uh, see for me it's been i i do like him quite a bit uh edgar wright but other than scott pilgrim versus the world and Shaun of the dead i don't think um i love the rest of his movies i think hot fuzz has some really fun stuff in it but i'm not sure it goes on a bit too long for my taste um baby driver yeah it's fine and then what was the other one world end hot fuzz World's end was fun but i haven't really revisited it since the theater <sighs>
0: wow really but,
1: yeah but scott pilgrim is one of my all-time favorite movies ever and so is Shaun of the dead so I... i'm excited to talk about uh later on when we get to our main review for last night in soho also an edgar wright joint um uh,
0: ba- uh flashback real quick so you don't, um, I think that, uh, I don't think that they will cancel the flesh. I, I don't think that they will oh, right. can, uh, recast or, can, well, wait, hang on. I don't think they will reshoot anything. They're 200 plus million dollars in when it's got a release date. They're not going to reshoot shit. Um, he's likely already fired or they are likely already fired. Uh, like, yeah. I, even, even if there's a redemption arc for Ezra Miller's, um, Clearly troubled shenanigans. He is, they are fired. That's that's it. Like the movie can be released and people will forget or not forget or, or not associate, but they will recast going forward. If, if it even is anything ever again.
1: Yeah. What a bummer. I mean, I wasn't so hot on his flash anyway, but I mean, he just, it's, it seemed it's a, it's a, I'm sorry, their flash. Uh, And it's, it's very sad to uh, see that they're clearly having some trouble right now. It's a bummer. Um, all right. Okay. So before we get into our main review, now that we're done with the letter section, we have another section called, what'd you do this week, huh? And so with regards to that section, I'm going to ask Noel, what'd you do this week, huh?
0: Well, I watched and read a couple of things that I would like to just touch oh, on cool. really quickly. I would. I it would like to hear it about is not the breadth of everything that I've read and watched, but it's a sampling of what I've watched and read uh, that isn't the same thing as last week. Because yes, yes, I have finished all the way up through the second season of Orville. But um. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, but another show that we started watching uh, in my house is A League of Their Own on Prime Video. Ah, I love that movie. My wife is an unabashed. I love the movie. I saw it in the theaters. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's, a al- great it's an movie. almost perfect movie. Like it really is just wonderful. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a baseball obsessed wife and she knows it by heart. So I hate watching it now because oh. she just says all the dialogue excitedly. So it's just like, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't want to watch this with you. But she was very excited about the show. And um, the fandom is is so hard that I was just like, hey, before we turn this on, you know it's not going to be the movie. Like, we're not not watching the movie anymore. Um, And it is so incredibly apparent that this is not the movie that it's awesome. It's a complete and totally different take on the story. It's actually, apparently, it's much closer to reality. Oh, great. Um, The show is structured with completely different... Peaches, some allusions to others, but like different characters. But it's got two plots that are going at the same time um, Mm -hmm. of two uh, of an African-American family and a player who doesn't get a chance. So her trying to navigate, trying to get on any team, including a practice team. And at the same time, the Peaches doing their thing and the show we're five episodes into the eight episode season. It's hella gay. It's no super gay, like very, very, very queer, and that's awesome. Like, it's a bunch of subplots that they wouldn't have ever even been able to, or or comfortable doing, twenty five years ago when the movie came out. You know, like Ooh. all of these female ball players, and you didn't think any of them might have been okay. not with husbands or waiting for them? on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, too, like, they they approach a lot of things that actually did happen in real life, but they didn't touch in the movie. So, like, let's say the movie for jokes played up them having to go to etiquette school. You know, like, skirts and makeup and a whole nine. That happened. But if they didn't succeed in looking more like a lady, they were straight up cut from the team no matter how good they were. Like, oh, on the no spot. Kidding. Yeah, like, really interesting, cool stuff like that. It's, it's a really yeah, great it's show. Cool. And it has... Ah. I think a lot of people online are complaining. I mean, they're complaining about the, the what, the, the LGBTQ subplot. Ah! However, are I think they're complaining about that through the prism of everyone sounds so modern and they're using a music cue from the late fifties and it's supposed to be the forties. And like, they're picking it apart for being a modern story with a period backdrop. Um, and when I hear that, it's just like, guys, yeah. it's a movie. Hey, guys. Yeah, I mean they're they're doing they're they're playing Janice Joplin "Piece of My Heart" for a cinematic reason, not because that's what was available to the characters Are, in the wait. movie.
1: So you're saying it's not a
0: documentary? No, but it's okay. But it's a story. Uh, no, it's really good. Um, I, I would I would recommend it. Kevin uh, is in the
1: chat with regard to the original movie. Uh, Kevin had a burning platonic passion for Gina Davis that was ignited by that movie. She's just great. She is great. Uh, my, have you, so uh, we probably, I'm sure we talked about it on this, on this show, uh, but... No, exactly. Long kiss goodbye. Yeah. Good night. good night. Long kiss good night. Long kiss good night. I'm sorry. Uh, what a wonderful, excellent action movie. Uh, and also I loved her in The Fly. Oh man, The Fly is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. And... It's so one of the first things I bring up. Anytime people are like, yeah, remakes are... Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah... The fly the, fly and the thing.
0: The fly and the thing. You could just always get people to the, the fly in the thing. Oh, and the blob, yeah. I, the blob was dope, too. It was dope, but it's like a it's yeah. like a forgotten cousin of the other two movies.
1: I, I don't know why. It does not get enough play. Uh, people do not talk... That was a wonderful re- and disgusting remake. It was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, and Kevin also says... Glad to hear that the TV show is good.
0: Yeah, don't. So I'm very excited. Do, I, I not go in, do not go in expecting the movie, and that is a positive. Yeah.
1: Um, also, it had Kit. What was her name? Uh, Lori Petty. Lori Petty. Who,
0: uh, oh, man, Tank Girl? As a you as know, as a. I want to revisit Tank Girl. It was such a good, bad movie, or bad, good movie. It, it was a good, bad. It was a, right, I don't know. Just it bad. was delightful. It was fun. It was bad in a good way.
1: And had that great Bjork song, Army of Me. Love that the soundtrack was awesome. It was the first time I ever heard a woman refer to playing with herself. I'd say that's a core uh, she memory. She gets captured. She gets, <laughs> she gets captured. Uh, and she's in, I think she's being held in, in like a freezer and she's all tied up. And uh, they ask her if she's comfortable, and she says, "Well, being all tied up, it makes it very difficult to play with myself." So, and I was like, "What? what? Huh? That's cool." Um, turns out, women do that too. That's neat.
0: What's the next thing on your list? Um, no. I want to talk real quickly about two comic books that I read this week that uh, I enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, the first there. one, the first one being um, Naomi Season Two, by. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker with art by Jamal Campbell. Um, This is the second mini-series of Naomi. Uh, It's interesting that they refer to it as season two, when I think the show didn't even make it past the first season. Um, Don't you hate that? Yeah, I hate that. It it is a fun, fun, beautiful comic. And they, they are doing all kinds of really fun, interesting things with this new character. Um... It was very weird. It felt very weird her going immediate. It, it did feel like they were kind of inserting her every, anywhere they could to see if it stuck, right? So, like, yeah. right after the first miniseries, she was in Young Justice. And then she was in, uh, she, like, showed up in the Superman book for, for a hot second. And then she showed up mm-hmm. in Justice League. And then she should like, yeah. so they were just seeing wherever she stuck. And for me, she worked in the Justice League book, because it was seeing her played up against actual legends, right? So mm. her having conversations with Superman was actually like really choice if anybody stuck around for it. Um, and this is a, this whole series, the second series has kind of been a really, really fun jumping off point from that. Like the entirety of her story so far has really only been like two weeks. So she's still new to this and she comes back home for the first time and her, her father and her have major friction. She has no idea what an ordinary world is. And um, a bunch of bad guys show up. And her power set is redefined. Um, they set yeah. her up for the next uh, the next like chapter in her story whenever it's going to come. And the Jamal Campbell art is just perfect. It's absolutely uh, perfect in awesome. every way, shape, and form. So, like, I, I would love to see – I know that these aren't the most popular books, at least – in my social circle, they're not the most popular books because yeah. we're just not the demographic for it, but they are good. Um, I would love to see this art oversized. I'd love to see it all collected together. Like let's, let's get like a Na- Naomi oversized or, or hardcover or, or omnibus that's got the two series and all of her appearances in between. So you can have like this full thread because it's, it's a, it's a really good read. Nice.
1: Um, awesome. And the- I only read, uh, the first season, the first season miniseries.
0: It's a fun book. It's, it's, um, the first one is slight in a way. Like it's just, it's just real quick.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it did feel quite slight. Yeah. When I got,
1: when I finished it, I was like, Oh, that's it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like it's the, it's just an origin story. Yeah. It's decompressed storytelling that he does. Like, you know, you read the first trade of, of, uh, ultimate Spider-Man. It's seven issues before he is Spider-Man. Like it's real stretched out. But, um, uh, the other thing Mm was, Predator one by Marvel comics. Um, uh, written by Ed Brisson with art by Kev Walker. Um, I picked it up just because like, now I'll try a new number one. Cool. This book was dope. Like I was after like, it starts with this, with a, a dialogue opening sequence of just action. And then the end of the sequence has a fun reveal. And then it just flies after that. Um, this is a re- yeah, I was surprised by the reveal I was like oh okay that's cool it's a it's a very impressive opening arc and I love Kev Walker's art it um, yeah so like when we got the Marvel alien aliens uh-huh. comic <laughs> reboot it was Salvador La Roca, which is uncanny Valley very photo a version of photorealism and it just felt like an interpretation or of a, a facsimile of like a scene. This isn't art style. This is a choice. It's Kev Walker. He's got a scratchy, kind of blocky, um, fun action superhero kind of style applied to this genre. This this like sci fi violence, it, creature stuff. It's great. His his Predator is fantastic with nasty ass mandibles and like full jaw. Like it's it's a gooey book and it's really fun
1: awesome that's the one thing i did i was bummed about with alien is the salvador la roca art man it just uh he is not my taste he does the aliens mm-hmm. and the really tech really
0: well but as soon as you've got like people just talking
1: yeah he can also but have, uh, he does the aliens really well uh until you realize that uh he traces pictures of the uh, the action figures and then i that's all i see you know what i mean Um, but I'm Mm -hmm. glad to hear that Predator is good. We, uh, I'm hoping we're going to talk about Prey on an upcoming episode. We're going to do a full review of Prey, the new Predator film, which we just watched over this past weekend. Uh, in fact, tomorrow night we have book club and movie club on Tuesday nights. Um, and tomorrow night movie club is going to be about discussing Prey. So, um, it's on zoom. If you go on the Facebook, there's a Facebook group called JD's hero complex book club, which is just the name of my store plus book club, and uh, that's where we'll be posting the Zoom links, and you can join us to talk about *Prey* at Movie Club tomorrow night at eight PM on Zoom. Uh, and then, ah, uh, hey Noel, hey, what uh, what's been up to this week, huh? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I downloaded the <laughs> *Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge* video game on my Switch. And it is delightful. It is so much fun. I heard people talking about it because I, I grew up playing in the arcades. And uh, there was an old, there was a classic one back in the early 90s. You you'd play as all four turtles and it was two, two uh, monitors, one of those big jammies. Um, you know, they had, it was like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was a Simpsons one and there was a X X-Men one. And they all had like the four different joysticks and everything. And I was like, oh yeah, that was fun. I don't know if I really care about it. But then I was bored and I downloaded it on my Switch. And it is awesome. It is so much fun. I'm having such a blast playing it. Uh, I wish I had four people to play with me. um, Because I bet it's more fun. But I've just been playing by myself. uh, And um, just like Tank Girl did. And uh, (laughs) it's great. Uh, Really enjoying that. Uh, I saw a movie. On Shutter, I'm a big horror movie fan, and so I was just flip, flip, flipping through Shutter, trying to find something to watch. And I came across this movie called *The Dark and the Wicked*. And the reason I clicked on it, the reason I even bothered with it, is because it's directed by the same director as *The Strangers*, uh, which was a home invasion movie starring what Aowen? What's her name? Liv, Liv Taylor. Liv Taylor. And Scott Speedman. Uh, Um, so I saw, and I, I really liked the, both the strangers, actually the strangers and then the Strangers sequel, uh, which deals with an entirely different family. Really, really fun. Um, kind of brutal horror movies really like those. So I was excited to check this out and it is a slow burn. Um, but it is really good. The Dark and the Wicked. Here we go. It's a 2020 film. It's on Shudder. I'm trying to find the director's name. Um, it's a secret. Uh, what is your name? Brian Bertino. And it's starring Maren Ireland, who I know from seeing her face, but I wasn't quite sure from whence. Um, but... Um, she was in 28 hotel rooms, Sneaky Pete, Umbrella Academy, um, and it's just a really slow burn. Something happens to this guy and her brother's mother, right? These siblings, they, they haven't been home in a very long time, and they have a farm, and they go back to the farm because the dad is bedridden and he's dying. He's on hospice, and uh, the mother has been taking care of him, and they come home to help out. Something happens to the mother, and then they are left there with the father. And all of the spooky-ass shit that goes on that may or may not have to do with a haunting. And it's really solid. Uh, I was really impressed. I actually got chills up and down my spine at a couple of scenes. Oh, nice. Uh, I sat there in the dark. I watched it. I have my my Halloween lights are still up. I never take them down. So I've got my orange Halloween lights, and I've got my jack-o'-lantern pumpkin that's lit up and everything, and I just kind of sit there in the dark and I watch horror movies after my family goes to bed. And it was it was great. If you like a nice slow burn that's also really effective, this was great. I was re- really surprised at how good it was. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've been talking about this week, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's tell the people that if you like this, you can um, subscribe on youtube wherever you're watching you can hang out with us every week every monday night at nine o'clock and uh you can become a patron you can help us out that way by going to patreon.com johnny destructo and uh that's kind of it just hang out with us is really the main thing if you don't have any money just hang out
0: with us that's all yeah, I want. like comment subscribe hang out that's all free all of it yeah
1: that's the stuff so main review we're going to be talking about Last Night in Soho from Universal Pictures, directed by Edgar Wright, written by Edgar Wright and Christy Wilson Cairns. Cairns, starring Anna, T- Anya, or Anna, and Anya, right?
0: I thought it was Anna, Anna Taylor Joy. I
1: thought it was Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, whatever. So it's uh, the 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 Taylor Joy is in it, also Tamont Taman- Tomlinson, Mackenzie, Matt Smith, and Terrence Stamp. Tomlinson McKenzie, I was, this, she was the reason I wanted to watch this movie. Besides Edgar Wright, she was so, so good in Jojo Rabbit that I was very excited to see more from her. Uh, I thought she was really charming and just a, a bucket of fun to watch in Jojo Rabbit. So I was very excited to see her be the main character in a film. So, Noel, we're going to give our initial thoughts for the film. Yeah. We're not going to spoil it. And then we're going to let you know, viewers, listeners, experiencers, that it's going to be, we're going to be hitting the, the spoilers. So relax, take off your shoes, put put up your feet, have a have a drink. Noel, do you want to tell the people what the movie's about?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. It's about a young, oh, I mean, I can read it, but no, I'm not going to. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> uh, it's about a... Uh, uh, a young student fashion designer who moves away from um, the country to North London to go to, to fashion mm-hmm. school and um, starts seeing things in the one bedroom apartment that she is renting. And that those dreams become more and more real uh, to the point where it um, negatively affects her waking life.
1: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. An aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer, but the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something darker. I think I nailed it. It was almost word for word. Yeah, I I Uh, should have
0: nailed it. All
1: right, so we've, we've been talking about Edgar Wright this entire episode. Give me your initial thoughts on Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho.
0: Um, I think he is one of the most exciting um, exciting and proficient storytellers slash filmmakers of the last, like, 20 years. He, he has – his output is quality over quantity. I think it's only, like, six movies over the last 20 years, um, whereas other filmmakers and storytellers are, you know, banging out one every two. Um, I have – read and and listened to many a podcast and interview and yada yada about his process. And I just find it so fascinating and interesting. Like he's the kind of filmmaker that enjoys complication, complicated Mm -hmm. shots and, and, and uh, over overthought visual effects, as well as like how all the things that he does in camera are to serve the story, as opposed to things just being pretty because they're pretty. Like, it's all in service, and no matter what, it's always all in service, which I do find awesome. And I know that him and him and Simon Pegg, and even just him with other co-writers, they write their first draft, but then they rewrite it kind of backwards. So all of his movies benefit from multiple viewings, meaning in subtle and not-so-subtle ways – His stories are always seated at the beginning and and referenced and foreshadowed in very, very competent and fun ways because they always make sure to, you know, not be sloppy, not have a loose plot, not be um, extraneous. It's just a wonderful, Mm -hmm. he's a really, really good storyteller. And I love, I've loved every one of his Flickas. Even, Even the weaker ones are something special to watch, which I would consider this one of them. This is, one of the weaker ones, it's like, what's your least favorite jackpot? Because it's still good, but yeah. I guess this is, you know, falls under the pantheon because it's a it's a much more straightforward story than I was expecting. Like, it's a thriller. It's a it's an old school, um, mid-70s, noir-ish thriller with maybe a supernatural bend. So you liked it? Yeah, I thought I said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are we doing stars? Or we doing, of, doing, are we doing? You were doing more.
1: You were doing more of a thing about Edgar Wright
0: than like this movie. Oh well, I didn't. I want to. I, wa- I want to get into it. So we'll, we'll get <laughs> into, into the it. meat. Do, do you want yeah. like a star or a letter rating? Are we doing that?
1: Well, we could. But we'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end, or right, before mean, we go into spoilers. Well, let me so think like, about
0: it. Letters or stars? What, what do you want? Kay. Uh. Uh. uh <laughs> put (laughs) it in the chat somebody somebody just call it out in the chat would you prefer a a letter grade or a star grade and then out of how many stars and then we'll go from there that that'll be forever okay bible done but but you go ahead and Um, tell your story well yeah i'm gonna tell my story my
1: okay i have two reviews of this movie i have two ways to think about this movie as a thriller it is great it is a lot of fun there's some interesting original stuff in here. There's a couple surprises, which work to varying degrees, but as a straight thriller, delightful, really well done, um, and I really enjoyed it. As an Edgar Wright movie, I, the, the problem is, is that I bring my own luggage to Edgar Wright movies because of two of my favorite movies of all time being Scott Pilgrim versus the world and Shaun of the dead, Scott Pilgrim is probably my favorite comic book adaptation and Shaun of the dead is probably my favorite zombie movie. Uh, I have a lot of baggage that I bring to him as a filmmaker. And I expect certain things. I expect a higher level of filmmaking of storytelling Shaun of the Dead has so many, it's like a poem, that Mm -hmm. movie. The the stuff that you see in the beginning, you see again at the end. the, The front half of that movie and the back half of that movie mirror each other in such a perfect way that I always expect that sort of experience from Edgar Wright moving forward. And that's my problem. There are so many things in Shaun of the Dead that call back to other things mm-hmm. and there's hidden details throughout that movie and there's tiny little things that you can you miss if you blink that when I finished this movie, I was so excited to go back and rewatch it and see all of the little nuggets I missed and I, didn't, I couldn't find them. I found maybe one or two and I went, well, that's not possible. I'm just an idiot. I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going to, I bet there's, cause there's videos. There's tons of videos of like all of his movies and all the references and all the little things, the little techniques that you may have missed and all that callbacks and all that sort of stuff. And I, I couldn't, I found hardly anything for this movie. This is just, it feels like a straightforward thriller, which is a bummer because I expect more from the filmmaker, hmm. but as a straightforward filler, it's great. A straightforward thriller, I should say. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. I think it's I think it's good. I don't think it's amazing, and I don't think it lives up to the Edgar Wright version of this movie that lives in my head that I didn't get, hmm. which I understand, oh. my own fault. Hmm. Uh, but you, you I still say, recommend it.
0: If you and if you enjoy thrillers, I definitely watch it. You saying why you like or one of the reasons why you like Shaun of the Dead makes me even more curious as to why you don't adore. Hot Fuzz and World's End, because they the feature of those movies is the callback nature and foreshadowed yes. almost almost coin flip between the first act and the third act, how they are just reverse of each other in both movies perfectly. And you just should the revisit they them came
1: after Shaun of the Dead.
0: Yeah, you should revisit them. I think you'd love it. Yeah. Um, the Cornetto
1: trilogy, I think they're all fun. But Shaun of the Dead was really the one that got me, I guess, because, you know, I got all the references immediately with Shaun of the Dead. It's speaking directly to me as a horror fan um, and hot fuzz. There's a lot of references in there that after I watched the movies and stuff, I was like, oh, I didn't get that. I didn't see that. Blah, blah, blah. Because I don't I don't speak the action movie lingo as much. Mm. Um, yeah, you know I mean, or the sci-fi lingo as much. Mm. The references, I don't get them all. Whereas uh, when I was watching Shaun of the Dead, I was going. Ah, da, 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 da. So, yeah.
0: uh, just to be clear, no one has yet mentioned what they would prefer us to rate this movie in stars yeah. or letter grades. That is not a very difficult ask, nor is it a, a complicated scenario to like. How, rip on. how many?
1: All right. So out of five college people, students, I... almost, oh, out of five college students, almost getting stabbed directly in the face in a library. How many
0: do you do you give it? <laughs> okay, out of five. Um, out of five, yeah. Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half. Okay. Three and yeah. a half just barely saved scissors from being bludgeoned into an eyeball of a bitch.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's I give it three point two five. I give it slightly less than you do.
0: Oh well, then let me go with uh, three point seven six, slightly more than three quarters. <laughs> no, it's perfect, perfect. Yeah, three and a half, three <laughs> and a half. It's it's it, I think you I think you pretty much yeah. nailed it. And we do admittedly have baggage with a lot of these filmmakers and storytellers and stuff. It's, even with with comics and and music, like they're not all bangers, but for what it is, it's really really well done.
1: Yeah. I agree. All right, so now three point two five and three point five co-eds almost getting stabbed by scissors out of five. We're gonna give we're gonna get into the spoilers. So if you yeah. haven't seen last night in Soho, stick around. Who cares? We'll Who spoil it for shit? you. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Um, we can't we can't afford to lose the viewers. Don't leave. <laughs> um, okay. I had one one major thing that stuck in my craw about this movie. And that is the fact that, all right, we've got our main character and she is experiencing the story of Anya Taylor-Joy's character. What's her name? I don't remember. Sandy. That's or Ellie, Alexandra. Ellie and what? Sandy. Alexandra, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sandy, right. Uh, and then... She has a vision towards the end where Sandy is being stabbed to death by Matt Smith. And we, we find out almost immediately after that, the big twist. Oh shit. There's a twist. Mean. It turns out Sandy is the landlord, the lady the whole time. Holy shit. Turns out she didn't get stabbed to death, even though we just experienced that on screen and I just spent the rest of the movie going. Why did why did we see her get stabbed to death? Like we we yep. saw her on top of we saw him on top of her murdering her. And then turns out, whoop she didn't die. She's alive this whole time. And that has bugged me since I watched the movie.
0: Uh, I have a I it may not be a pleasing answer to you, but I have an answer to that because I also kind of came up with the same thing. Like I 2.7, Rob, 2.7. Yeah. Uh, star stabbed. Uh, I think it's a little low, but all right. Yeah. Um, so they mention it in dialogue afterwards. I one of my only pet peeves with the movie itself was literally in the opening sequence. Characters talk about how are you seeing dead people. Mm-hmm. Um, it immediately took the Remember- wind. Yeah, her, her her grandmother asked if you're seeing your mother anymore. And as an audience, we already saw it in the mirror very quickly in a really, really nice, like, yeah. camera fade. So yeah. audience, members, mirror work yeah, audience members know there's something kind of fishy, but we don't know if it's inside of her head or if it's not inside of her head. But then it's almost confirmed by a secondary character that, like, are you seeing ghosts in mm-hmm. no uncertain terms? So to me, that in the first five minutes of the movie, it took some weight out of any kind of real mystery. So right off the bat, it was just like, all right, so there's a supernatural element. Maybe it's a schizophrenic one, but it's at least one that's out in the open or known to people. So it's, it's a little less, it's got a little less weight in regards to her visions and what she sees. It's the strength of where she is. Right. So when it got to the scene of witnessing Sandy's murder, Um, think of it in a way as juxtaposing the other murders that appeared there competing with the hype or not theoretical thematic. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Symbolic, the symbolic murder of Sandy, because later in the story, she talks about how I guess, yes, Sandy was murdered in that room that night. So you're seeing her interpretation of two conflicting kind of like fake supernatural forces because he ended up, and also too, they show her bloody, but they don't show stab wounds. They just show her eyes in the knife. And then they show you it again in the real version and the eyes through the knife or in the knife is stabbing him in the face. So it's, it's a little bit of subterfuge. It's a little bit of metaphor all mixed up into one to kind of throw you off for the beginning of the third act. It's, it's I not feel like super that's great. The
1: thing, that's the thing about Edgar Wright, that he, his movies have led me to believe that he is smart enough and clever enough to have shot that to shot, to have shot something that leads us to believe one thing But then, oh, when we turn the camera ever so slightly, we see that it is not that. We see the same scene again, but it's revealed that what we saw was just a a difference of perspective, maybe, or something like that. As opposed to, here is this thing that we are showing you, and everything up until this point we believe to be a um, reliable narration device, and then... We're just going to pretend that uh, we're just going to f- fool you with this one that's not this never happened. This thing didn't happen. And turns do out we, he was the one getting stabbed. I, do I don't we, think that it.
0: I'm going to go back and rewatch it. But do we ever see her yeah, actually should, getting stabbed? I we thought you in the we stomach. See her, we see her scratch and then we see her struggle with blood all over but do we actually uh-huh. see him stab her? We just see struggle from above and we see blood all over, like flying all over her and her screaming. I, that's like, I'm struggling to remember knife entering I'll her. I'll be impressed.
1: I'll be impressed if I had filled in those blanks myself mentally, because in my head, I can see him stabbing her in the stomach. Oh, so I'm, when, I also want to revisit in the it. Street, And it may be that I just filled in those blanks myself.
0: When you see the dead version of her in the street, she only has blood up here on her coat. Yeah. Yep. I know. I do remember that, but I don't remember knife actually going in her. Just, she scratches his face. He screams like he, you know, does a thing and then struggle, blood, 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 and then cutting constantly to Ellie screaming, which was a really, really great setup to be honest with you. She's, got a boy in her room she's seeing this like assault slash murder happen and she's screaming but the boy thinks he's screaming at her and then another person's coming in like it was a it was a tense as fuck setup and it doesn't help that it is an african-american or it's, it's an african boy right so all yeah. of these so many like layered tense things on top of each other in that whole sequence mm-hmm. the glass breaks stepping through it like it was that was actually a really really great that was a great sequence. That was, a, that was the beginning of a couple of really banger sequences where they mixed fantasy and reality in really fun ways. Like the mirror work, like you mentioned. Uh, yeah,
1: I thought it was a wonderful, wonderfully done scene until it was immediately undercut. And then I went, oh.
0: I, I thought it was like right. 30 minutes later. You had the whole library in there and everything before it. Well, in my head, it was immediate. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you're right, you're right. It was right. like the that end was, of the second like, act. It was later. Yeah. It, was little... it was still undercut. It's true. My my, my professional am, viewing opinion. I am as a absolutely a professional viewer. I, because I, I would agree that that's mild. like for for somebody that is so incredibly specific and proficient, that would be really sloppy if he actually showed knife stabs in her, but then tell you it's a lie a half hour later. Yeah. Are you actually like googling it right now? Like, do you see? No, oh, no. Yeah. I was
1: asking Rob why he said it was a two point seven. Scissor stabs out of five. Um, I was curious to see if you had anything to go
0: with. I really liked the third act a lot. Like Hmm. I started to feel fucking awful for this girl who is potentially going through a schizophrenic uh, episode or something Um, all the way. And I started getting in a lot of movies like this. I start to get annoyed with the movie because all you're doing is torturing somebody that we care about. Like it's there's no point for it after a while, it's just like I I don't care to see somebody torture so it, it took me all the way to the edge with this, with the scissors. And then they stopped doing it. So I was like, okay, but if this went on for another 10 minutes to show me her make a fool of herself again and again and again, I, I just, I would have been done. That was the other thing that bothered
1: me was the scissors. She almost stabs the mean girl in the face in a library with scissors. And then we ne- that never comes up again. In fact, the other, we you know, at the very end, when she is having her um, fashion show, right, uh, to graduate, I suppose, uh, the other girl's clapping for her. And I'm like, you, you were very upset last time I saw you about oh. almost getting stabbed in the face.
0: Oh, I mean, did you, she was, she was still an asshole. Like she was doing a, a the other people yeah. were clapping for her, but it was a. It was a, it was a shitty. You're a, still a cunt. Yeah. Mean girl I just, clap. I
1: don't understand. Like, she probably should have been expelled. <sighs> I mean, if for attacking someone. If they're.
0: Sure. Right. Sure. Well, I know. I mean, if mm-hmm. if everyone in authority thinks that she's off her meds, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how long it You said a
1: like... You you said a schizophrenic break. Um, did you, at any point, did you? episode at any point did you think that she was not seeing these things
0: uh no but everyone thinks that she was okay in the middle like right, yes. the cops okay. mentioned it yeah, the school okay. mentioned it like like they've seeded it a couple of times like her yeah because they seeded it in the story a couple of times it was it made it plausible for me to feel that there could be an ordinary world on the other end of it like she didn't completely burn down her world like it was there was an out mm-hmm. there was a narrative out. Mm-hmm to get her out of trouble with all of the rising stakes throughout the movie. Um, oh, the reveal. How'd you uh, feel about the reveal? Because um, I called that shit after. yo, oh, yeah. When she, so the landlord said that she bought the, the, she used to work here and she bought the building from the owner living in Philadelphia. No, know, like knowing that a, a shit ton of these, buildings downtown with multiple rooms and like two bathrooms used to all be brothels. I immediately (laughs) thought like it's a fucking brothel. And then it just kind of kept, it kept happening or it kept kind of like validating it. And then, and then I'm like, she used to work at a brothel. Hmm. She bought it from the owner. Okay. I think that's fucking her. I think that's her or a friend. Yeah. Like it just, it Uh, kept clicking.
1: It didn't click for me until slightly before the reveal. And I went, oh, you know, I, the the thing I kept wondering, well, we had the two, we had her grandmother and I thought, what does her grandmother have to do with this?
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: she seemed like a very specific character. Uh, and then then I went to the, oh, the landlady. Right. She's a very specific actress, too, to cast. Um, so um, but I, I not close enough to say I called it. It was just up there with my rotating list of oh, maybe this is happening. you know what I mean? The, um, at no I, point did I go, oh, sh-
0: it's definitely her, until they I were like, oh, it's definitely her
1: and I went, oh, shit, okay.
0: I typically don't like to, I think we've talked about this before, like, I'm, when we're watching Scream movies, I'm not trying to guess who the killer is. I, like, I, I have no interest in figuring it out before it happens. It's just, like, as long as it makes sense and, like, clicks afterwards. Yeah. Um, hmm. so I it's not something that I'm actively doing throughout a movie, but it just, two pieces of information just clawed at me at the beginning of the movie. And it just kind of kept coming up. And then there was that, the very last scene right before the reveal, she's going through mail and Edgar Wright does not hold the camera on it until the second time it's shown. She's flipping through mail and you're seeing all the names and the name of the landlord is Alexandria or Alexandra. And as soon as it went by, I was like, Oh, and then they don't talk about it and then shows it again. It was like, oh, this is so cool. This is a fun little reveal. And then I immediately thought like, well, how are they going to fix the fact that she had a false vision? And then they, they try to do that. I, it, I thought it was cool. And she, she didn't just kill a she didn't just kill uh, her abuser. She then went on to murder every single John that she ever slept with and then hid them in the floorboards of the building. So there's a hundred bodies hidden in that building. All of these thank visions. God
1: there's a, thank God there's a restaurant or something nearby that smells like garlic. Yeah. So you don't smell all of those rotting corpses that are lining your walls and floors. Uh, that was well, another thing that made me go, really? Nobody what? smells that? It's Oh, it's okay. She mentioned garlic in the
0: beginning of the movie. I mean, it was, it was also 50 years ago. I mean, I I don't think they're still rotting. Either way, it it clicked all of the other pieces of her being a villain. But then what I respect even more about the movie was in the the major climax, she's being pulled through the wall. She's being held to the bed. She's reaching for the phone. All of the ghosts of (laughs) terrible men didn't deserve to be murdered, but they're all terrible men are pleading with her to end their misery and kill her to kill their murderer so they can get peace. And for a minute, I thought the movie was going to oddly redeem all of these fucking horrible abusers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, are you going to do this? Are you, are you, are you guys all the good guys now? These, these fucking horrible, abusive men that got murdered are the good guys now? And the movie didn't validate them. And I thought that that was fucking awesome. Like that tipped it over the scales for me.
1: (laughs) I I did have a little back and forth mentally though, about yes, they seemed like they were not great men. Um, They were certainly paying someone for sex, but the sex work positive aspect that's in me, which is sex work is work. Yeah. Um, they, they paid a person who takes money for sex to then have sex with her, but then they got murdered.
0: But this isn't sex work positive. She was in an abusive, trapped situation, and she was drugged most of the time. Like, this wasn't a sex positive situation or a sex work positive situation. Yeah. She had no That's, autonomy. I had to get there. And yeah. I was like,
1: but do the, do the people who are paying know that? Yeah, I mean, do they know her personal oh, situation no. so, that
0: she's not there? I you know don't I think, I, that's just it. I, I, I literally said two minutes ago, they didn't deserve to die, but they are right. not avenging souls for like right. to, no, to validate this yeah. murder. Like,
1: There's an interesting gray area, I think, yeah. like, that it deals
0: with. Like, they can get closure, that's all great, but it's not going to be at the hands of this young girl who's been tortured by both sides of this, like, yeah. metaphysical war. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I um, thought was very respectful. I liked it a lot.
1: Another hiccup, I think, was that Matt Smith and Turin Stamp look nothing alike. And I spent the entire movie going, why did they cast Turin Stamp? To... That's so strange. And then we see at the end, oh, it's not him. OK, great. That that was a nice reveal, too, because I was like, that is why would they cat? That is looking. He looks nothing like Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was at least I was like, OK, good. There wasn't a mistake. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it I, um, it was a slow burn in a setting up the pieces kind of way. The, the soundtrack was fantastic. It was yeah. just just well, a bunch of, of bangers. Are very good. I've never heard, which was great. Um, yeah, no, I, I I liked it a lot. It, I mean, it's it's hard to compare to all the others because the others speak to me in a different genre kind of way. This was a yeah. for him. This was a much more straightforward less um, I want to say less indulgent movie. Um, Yes. Because all of the other ones are indulgent in some sort of genre or some sort of specificity that he is just super passionate about as a, as a filmmaker. So this Mm -hmm. is when I say it's much more straightforward, it's not simple and it's not, it doesn't lack any complexity because watch a five minute making of on how they did all of the fucking mirror work and you'll know that this I did. is not a, I did watch that. Not a straightforward movie. <laughs> it's not a simple yeah. movie, but because That's it doesn't have cool. that like, like super genre. Horror. Oh yeah. So good. I was talking with, um, with Sam about it, like, because I think the mechanics of the movie, uh, let you fill it in a little bit where that first time she is, um, she's walking into the hotel and sees a reflection and the reflection is on Taylor joy. Um, and you know kind of a mimic type of thing and then walk up to it but then as soon as she taps the mirror she becomes a passenger so mm-hmm. i mean like you know sam thought like oh is she controlling her now it's like oh no no no, she's just along for the ride like yeah she can't control this she's just along for the ride which gave a real claustrophobic feeling especially in all of the like the later scenes it this was a really solid flick i'm glad i watched it
1: during the dance sequence between Sandy, Ellie, and Jack, there were only two moments that were not practical. The rest of the transitions were entirely choreographed and done in camera. Very cool. Um,
0: it's good stuff. Yeah, this,
1: uh, yeah, it's good. I just wasn't blown away by it. I think it's definitely worth a recommendation. I think if you're interested in uh, nice thrillers. Uh, oh, here's the other thing that kind of bothered me. I'm, I, I feel like I've been so negative about this movie, but these are all just like little things. The fact that the movie seems to be making a stance on nostalgia and the dangers of nostalgia, and then I went and listened to Edgar Wright, and he was actually talking about the dangers of nostalgia and how this was addressing that, right? His own personal uh, opinions on nostalgia and, and maybe um, the, the dangers therein. I expected, right? She has this this loving obsession about the '60s, so much so. Let me ask you this. No, in the beginning of the movie, I was watching it and I had no idea when the movie takes place. Mm -hmm. It's not until we see her on the train with beats headphones on that. I go, Oh, it's now Mm -hmm. that entire opening sequence could have been in the sixties. That's how much she loves the sixties. And so she's got this big nostalgia for the sixties and all that. And through you know, through this experience learns that, Oh yeah, even the sixties were bullshit. Um, and we even see during the house fire the sketch of the dress the dress she was working on for her school project, which is just based on a dress that already existed because the girl in her dream already wore it. You would think someone in the fashion industry in the fashion school would have been like, "Hey, that looks a lot like a I've, I've seen that dress." Anyway, um, she uh, we see her sketch burn up. Oh yeah, it's going up in smoke. Her nostalgia and her love for like '60s dresses and '60s music, and maybe maybe it'll be a little less. And then we cut to her senior project, and all of the dresses are '60s dresses again. And I'm like, oh, so we haven't learned anything. No, that's nothing is, and she's still seeing the girl in the mirror, so nothing has changed for
0: her. Well, I mean, I I would I would disagree. Um, the dresses that the dresses that are in her show are. And also what she's wearing and how her hair is—it's a mix of the mm-hmm. two. It's a balance of because the dresses have different, fat, even though it's the same flow, it's got different, like more modern aesthetics. And men are wearing them, mm-hmm. so it's it is a modern mix with her nostalgia, as opposed to being lost in nostalgia. And then also to her appearance, mm-hmm. also like the the clothes that she's wearing is less one way or the other. Um, and then the mirrors at the end. She sees her mother who had, whose death had a huge impact on her. And then she sees Sandy whose death had a huge impact on her because the movie, even though Sandy is the antagonist, even in the very end, the movie doesn't vilify her and does help define Ellie. So Mm -hmm. I like, like it was interesting. So when they show Sandy in the mirror, looking at her, um, it felt like a horror movie stinger but then they did two cutaways and let the camera stay on her a little bit and she was almost relieved to see sandy and yeah, i thought that I that was sure. awesome i thought that that was awesome like it's it's all of the these people that shape you no good or bad just shape you now it's like almost a part of her mm-hmm. lexicon both her mother and sandy i thought it was i sandy. thought it was like haunting but also really cool
1: I don't, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, so I'd never heard of this band until uh, I want to say Death Proof from uh, Quentin Tarantino. But the title, Last Night in Soho, is from a 1968 um, song by pop band. Pop band Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. So, just so you
0: know. Say it faster.
1: I can't. Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. One Dave more D dozy time. Mickey Beaky Mick Dave D dozy Beaky, 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 Beaky Mickey. Damn it. <laughs> Mickey Mickey Mickey
0: Mickey I'm not um, even trying.
1: The movie was inspired by Don't Look Now, nineteen seventy three, and Repulsion, nineteen sixty five. Two movies I've never heard of nor seen. <laughs> uh, I know Don't Look Now. Oh yeah?
0: Yeah, I played the Colonial one year. Oh word. But uh, um, Yeah, this was good. You, my I I would Recommend this to my parents. It's yes. a very I it is a is very old school people. movie. Yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah. Email us at coltspopgo at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of last night in Soho. We gave it 3.25 and 3.5 almost stabbed co eds out of five. Yeah let us know what you would. Oh, bye. No, no, no disappeared. Uh, he, <laughs> uh, he said, peace. I'm out. Oh, he's back.
0: What? Oh, okay. Um, I guess he's having some trouble. I don't know what no, he's doing. I, I went to hit the button. You hit it at the same time. Yes. Everything is okay.
1: Okay. Are we done?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Hey, what are we talking about next week?
0: We're going to be talking about Dark Room by Jerry Duggan.
1: Oh, the, the graphic, the OGN, the original graphic novel by Jerry Duggan, uh, called The Dark Room. So if you guys want to join us, go get a copy, read it, and then join us back here, 9 o'clock, next Monday night.
0: Yeah. And until then... Spoiler, you won't regret it. It's quite good. it's, yeah, oh, it's really you know good. what?
1: Here's the thing. If you like Hellboy, and you like... Um, Criminal
0: Macabre, and you like John Constantine? Uh, I would say, like, you sh- and, uh, not just Mignola Hellboy, also, like, Guillermo del Toro's version of Hellboy. There's a lot of, like, huge mystical worlds, but juxtaposed with fucking nasty little private eyes. It's very cool. Oh,
1: well, you know what? Here, I can show it to you. Oh, my God! Ah!
0: No, he can't. He's breaking everything.
1: Here we go.
0: The Dark Room. Dark
1: room. There it is. Excellent book. Check it out. Yeah, it's a nice little hardcover. Uh, it retails for 19.99. Steal. So, yeah, join us next week, and we will frickin' talk to you about it. All right, guys, that's it. Patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Like, comment, subscribe, all that bullshit, and we will see you here next Monday. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love you.
0: For listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horror Cast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in
1: Young, PA. <laughs>